morning. Isn't it an awesome day to be in the house of the Lord? I want to take up for pastor there, and uh, for those of you who are laughing at him, I want to see you get up here and say, we will rejoin a few times, because it comes out, we will rejoin pretty easily. So glad that you're here this morning. What an exciting day and, and, a, and a good week. Has everyone had a good Thanksgiving week? Did anyone not eat too much? If you did, then something's seriously wrong with you. Uh, I tell you what, I ate a lot. I think just, just you know, I, the, the word tells us to confess our sins one to another. I think I sinned this week in the amount of food that I ate. Um, we've talked about it as a staff before, and, and I think we came to the conclusion that, that gluttony isn't necessarily just overeating or, or eating when you've already eaten or when you're full. It's eating until you're sick. And I got sick this weekend uh, and spent most of the weekend that way and kept eating. Um, so many parties to go to and the food was so good. But uh, I love Thanksgiving. The, the first reason, obviously, is the, the copious amounts of food that we are, we are allowed or, or even expected to eat, right? But uh, I think more than that for me, it's, it's the fact that Thanksgiving kicks off the holiday season. Uh, well, it used to anyways. There, there's been a lot of calendar creep over the years. Uh, I noticed this year that I, most of the radio stations started playing Christmas music about two weeks before Thanksgiving. And uh, I think the Black Friday deals kicked off on Halloween. And uh, Walmart brought their Christmas trees out at Easter. Um, but I, lo- I love Christmas, and that's why I love Thanksgiving, because it kind of kicks that off. In fact, I'll try to get it started a little bit early. I was listening to Christmas music on my phone even before the radio stations were playing it. And for those of you who weren't there last week at the, at the outreach that Pastor talked about, where we packed up 450 meals... We were having a great time. Colby and I were really in the spirit of Christmas, um, the spirit of giving, the spirit of helping. And we were doing a beautiful job, I thought, of singing some Christmas carols. Uh, When Tammy Hill, the Grinch herself, demanded that we stop. She kept screaming at the top of her lungs, Tammy, grateful hearts. Before Christmas starts. You know, her commitment to that didn't go unnoticed to me. She wasn't going to let Thanksgiving get lost in the shuffle of Christmas. And so it made me stop and think and begin to think about the true meaning of Thanksgiving. And so I thought that today it would be fitting for us to actually look at, on this Thanksgiving weekend, the true meaning of Thanksgiving. Which is really, it's not about the food or football, or, or going shopping. It's really not even about getting together with your friends and your family. The true, excuse me, the true meaning of Thanksgiving is about taking a minute or a day or a week to stop and back up and reflect on what we're thankful for. It's really something we should do every day. You know, I started thinking, how would God feel about this? You know, Thanksgiving's not a Christian holiday, in fact, it's not a worldwide holiday. It's, it's an American holiday. But I think that God would really be for us doing that. After all, if you look in the Bible, depending on which version you read, the phrase give thanks is in the Bible about 35 times. The, uh, the word thanksgiving 
is in there twice as much. It's about 70 times. And then there are multiple other references to, to being thankful or thankfulness or I think it's, it's fitting for us as Christians to stop and be thankful, to stop and reflect. So today we're going to do that, and we're going to look at three groups. We're going to try to answer the questions. Number one, what should Christians as a whole, every Christian, be thankful for? And then what should the church body, not, not this local church body, but the church body as a whole, what should we be thankful for? And then finally, what should this body What should Trinity Fellowship be thankful for? Let's begin. Number one, our health. Number two, our family. Number three, our home. Number four, our dog. Number five, our cats. Number six, our parrots. I could go on that way for a while, but it would take a long time and most of you would zone out pretty quickly. So instead, let's use a broad brush. The first things that Christians should be thankful for is the past. How important is it for us to know and think about our past? I'm reminded of a a quote that basically said that who you are today is the sum total of all of your past experiences and the decisions you've made. Think about that. The fact that you're a Christian, the fact that you go to church here, indeed, the fact that you're in this place this morning is all because of where you've been. The way that you wear your hair, the clothes that you choose to wear, the music you listen to, the TV shows that you watch, those are all because of your past. Another quote that I read said that you can't know where you're going until you know where you've been. Even God tells us to remember the past. I mean, the reason we have rainbows is because God is reminding himself of the past, of what he did and of the promise that he made to us. If you look in Joshua chapter 4, the Israelites were getting ready to cross the Jordan. Actually, they were crossing the Jordan River. And, and God, for the second time, stopped the flow of water and let the Israelites walk across on dry land. And when he did, he commanded Joshua to have one man from each tribe go to the middle of that riverbed and pick up 12 large stones and carry them to the bank and set them up there. He said, as a monument to what he did so that you will remember Every now and then we'll do something here at Trinity Fellowship where we'll hand out some grape juice and we'll all drink it and we'll hand out some little styrofoam and we'll all eat it. And we do that because Jesus said to do it in remembrance of him. Remember to look back. Church, I'm so thankful for my past. I'm thankful that Jesus saved me. I'm thankful that The Holy Spirit baptized me and that God called me into the ministry. But even even as much as the good things, I'm thankful really for the bad things in my life. I'm thankful that I was probably the poorest kid that, that was in my school because it taught me serious, valuable things about about money and life. I'm thankful for many of the sins that I've committed. 
because they showed me how important it is to be saved. I'm thankful for every experience I've ever had because it made me who I am today. Christians should be thankful for our past. And the church as a whole, too, should be thankful for our past. Have you ever read the book of Acts? And I don't mean like read it because a reading plan told you it was time to read Acts chapter 12 or whatever. I mean, pick it up and read it like a book. There are so many Pentecostals that think that Acts only has two chapters. There is so much more there than that. Our our church, the, the body, has a rich and storied past. When you read in Acts, you see how they all pulled together after Jesus' ascension. How they met daily and broke bread and, and sold their possessions to care for one another. To bear one another's burdens. You read about the foundation of the office of deacon. Which wasn't a financial overseer. It was people to do the work of the church. So that the apostles could commit themselves to praying and ministering the word. You read about how the church was scattered all over the known world at that time due to persecution. And that that opened the door for the gospel to be spread in that entire world. There's so much more. You can read about how we as non-Jewish people began to be accepted as real Christians. You read about where we actually got the nickname of being a Christian. Christians should be thankful for our past. The church body should be thankful for our past. And our church, Trinity Fellowship, we should be thankful for our past. Do you know that we're 51 years old? For 51 years, we've been here in northwest Arkansas, reaching northwest Arkansas and the world. We have built orphanages and churches across the globe. And we've sent out missionaries from our very congregation for 51 years. You know, we have a handful of people here that are, that are still here from when the church was founded 51 years ago. I'm so thankful for them. I'm thankful for the, for the dedication that they've had to this church, for the commitment that they've made, and for the sacrifices that they've made to make us who we are today. From the times when the church was booming and in its heyday to times when they had to meet at the park or at one another's homes because they couldn't afford to turn the lights on in the church building. I'm so thankful for them. I'm thankful for all of the pastors who have come before us, who we learned last year. Each one had such a unique vision to Northwest Arkansas. This church has always been just a little bit different. I'm thankful for the building that we had before the fire. Some of you have never seen that building, but you should be thankful for it because many of us are. I remember we had a, back then on the street side here, we had a lawn. We had a front lawn. It was beautiful. The grass was always gorgeous. And we had a deacon here at that time that if you parked on it would cut your throat. I remember we, we would have Easter egg hunts out there. And one year in particular, I remember Courtney was probably six or seven years old. And Justin a couple years younger. And, and I still have pictures of that day. And I actually have pictures. He doesn't even know this. I have pictures of Pastor on that day standing out there just watching everybody 
and and just beaming with with a healthy pride. I remember there was no way to get from backstage into the sanctuary without going outside on a sidewalk. So we would get done playing music for worship, and then the worship team would have to go outside in the rain and the cold and the snow, whatever, and walk all the way down the building to keep from disrupting service. I remember the baptistry that Courtney was baptized in. I'm so thankful for that church. And I'm thankful for the fire that burned it to the ground. Somebody had to say it. I'm thankful for that because I I remember the week before the fire, the staff meeting that we had the week before the fire. Actually, I guess it was the day before the fire. The staff and the board were out walking around on that front lawn trying to figure out how we could add on or, or redesign, remodel somehow because the children had outgrown their sanctuary. God took care of that problem. They're about to outgrow it again, so everybody look out. I'm thankful that when that fire happened, we had a gym that we could have church in for two years. Because many churches would just be homeless. And I'm thankful that, that when that gym was built in 2001, there was somebody like Shannon Bratton who stood up and said, our youth need a place to meet, to call their own. Because at the time, I believe they were sharing with Children's Church. And it was definitely a children's room. I remember the first time I saw that old youth sanctuary. I walked in and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. It probably was. They had this real urban design and there were street signs and hubcaps on all the walls. And and the pulpit was this reclaimed water or sewer pipe that Shannon had gotten a hold of and painted it and put a top on it. And there was a six-foot-tall chain-link fence that ran through the room, gate and all, to separate the the church area, the sanctuary, from the game area. I'm thankful for that youth sanctuary. And I'm thankful that we just finished remodeling that space into a room that is really a state-of-the-art youth sanctuary that rivals anything in northwest Arkansas. Because who can agree with me that what was cool 13 years ago isn't nearly as cool today? I got to thinking about that when I, when I tried to find a picture of that to show you. And I realized that there were no pictures because that was before the iPhone. Does anybody remember your phone that you had before you got a smartphone? Church, we should be thankful for our past. Secondly, we should be thankful for our future. I don't know about you, but I am really excited about my personal future. I've got a daughter who's going to grow up and and just be something awesome. In 10 years or so, she's probably going to want to start dating. She'll find a nice Christian boy. My son, Justin... He's going to change the world if he can just get past high school. He doesn't like doing homework and he thinks he's the only one. One of these days, I I can see myself being somewhat like pastor. 
I mean, not as good looking, obviously. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be pastoring a church and, and chasing my grandkids around and having the time of my life. But even cooler than that, someday I get to see Jesus. I mean, you can say amen again. Someday I get to see Jesus. Well, unless you don't think I'm going to get to see Someday you get to see Jesus. Some people are like, I don't know. Tell me that's not awesome. The Assemblies of God has, has a, a statement of faith. We call it the 16 fundamental truths. And number 13 is called the blessed hope. Paul writes about it in 1 Thessalonians 4. He says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. I like King James. It says with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. It says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then my favorite part. And so we will be with the Lord forever. If that doesn't get you excited, nothing will. Because I'm going to get to see Jesus. And I don't know whether it's going to be through the grave or whether I'm going to get that express pass. I hope it's the express pass. I want to fly so bad. Like, not in a plane. I want to fly. I want to just leap up. I mean, I can't wait for that. I hope it happens. One of my favorite songs in the world by a group called Mercy Me. It's called I Can Only Imagine. And it talks about seeing Jesus. It says, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Church, I'm thankful for that future. I'm thankful that someday I'm going to have a mansion that I don't even want to go home to because I can spend all day in the presence of Jesus. I imagine what's going to happen is I'm going to worship for a little while and then I'm going to go hit that zero calorie buffet and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to worship some more every day forever and ever. How can you not be thankful for that? Christians have a future to be thankful for. Lord, come quickly. And the church as a whole, we have a collective future that's pretty bright too. You know, the, the Bible refers to us as the bride of Christ. And John sees a vision where he refers to what's going to happen after that rapture that we talked about. One of the first things that happens is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's where the zero-calorie buffets kick off. There's going to be nothing but Chick-fil-A and sweet tea and, and my wife's mashed potatoes and Angie's dressing. You know, to understand that vision and, and that concept, you really have to know about the, the wedding customs in Christ's time. In, in Christ's day, there were three parts to a wedding. The first part was that the parents of the bride and the groom would sign a contract with one another and a dowry would be paid for the bride. And then the second part was usually about a year later, 
In the middle of the night at midnight, the groom and all of his male friends would parade through town with their torches to the bride's home. And they would pick her up and and, and her maidens. And then the parade would continue to his house or his parents' house. In the the parable of the ten virgins, that's actually the the story that's being painted there. The, The maidens are waiting for the groom. And then the third part was when they got to the house, there was a feast that would go on for days and days. The marriage supper. And the vision that John saw was the marriage supper of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, with His bride, the church. You see, the implication there is that the the first two parts have already happened. The contract took place when those believers accepted Jesus as their Savior. The dowry that was paid was His blood. And then the parade is the rapture. I don't know about you, but I can hardly wait for that party. And then there's our church, Trinity Fellowship. We have such an amazing future to be thankful for. I personally believe that everything we've been through as a church has brought us to this point. And we are on the edge of a precipice like never before, and we're ready to just jump off and fly. In the 12 or so years that I've been here, I've never seen a time where our church was so poised and ready to do great things. I wish that you could hear and see and feel the excitement that takes place in our leadership team meetings when the board and the staff get together and start talking about vision. It's contagious, it's thrilling. We have the best staff that we've ever had. And we have services designed to meet the needs of just about every person. We have this corporate worship setting that's always amazing. We have the best worship in Northwest Arkansas. And and we have comfortable seats and we have good teaching most of the time. But then we have services for, for, for specific groups as well. We have services for the youth, for teenagers. We have services for children. We have services for college students and young adults and for Spanish speakers and for people who struggle with addictions. We have the nicest facilities that we've ever had. We have this beautiful building and sanctuary. We have a, if you haven't been to Building B in a while, we have a brand new sanctuary in Building B where three of those services I just talked about meet. And it's a really cool room. And then we have the new youth sanctuary that I already talked about. A week and a half ago, we had our first service in that new youth sanctuary. It was amazing. Those of you who know me know that I'm not a very emotional person. I don't turn on the waterworks very often. But as we stood in that worship service, I began to cry a little bit. And I wasn't just crying because I was exhausted from no sleep for like three weeks. Or because of all the hard work that went into it. I began to cry because I was thinking about our future. I thought about the hundreds or thousands of teenagers 
who will come to know Jesus in that room. I thought about those that are going to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I thought about the teenagers that are going to be called into the ministry in that room and will someday be our pastors, our evangelists, our missionaries, and our teachers. I cry because I'm so thankful for our future. I'm thankful about the awning that we're getting ready to build. Simple reasons like I'm thankful that there's only one more winter where we're going to have to be out there in our dress clothes shoveling snow so that people can get into the building. But I'm also thankful that our elderly and our disabled and those with small children won't have to make a decision of can I go to church today because the sun's not out. I'm thankful for the future of our church. I'm excited to see the day where we're able to give half a million dollars or more to missions every year. I'm excited to see Trinity Fellowship campuses all over Northwest Arkansas and maybe even further. We'll have, you know, Trinity Fellowship Central here. But, but you know, I don't know if when it's time, when we outgrow this place, I don't... And, and we're running two or three services. I don't necessarily think we'll move our church and build somewhere else. We'll open up another one. We'll have Trinity Fellowship East or Trinity Fellowship West. Or I'll tell you what, if I get my way, we're going to have Trinity Fellowship Orlando. And I'm going to go there and I'm going to be the pastor. And every day I'm going to go to Disney World and tell people about Jesus. I'm going to visit with Mickey. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to visit with a princess. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to ride that crazy uh, thing with the, the, what's it called, Alec, your favorite ride? Everest, Mount Everest. And when we get done, I'm going to say, that was sure scary. Do you know Jesus? I'm thankful for the future of our church. If you're thankful, look at your neighbor and tell him you're thankful for the future of our church. We should be thankful for our past, thankful for our future. And finally, we should be thankful for the present. And this is where our three groups merge into one. Because Christians and the church body and our church should all be thankful for the present for the same reason. Because there's still time to reach more people for Christ. Because that's what it's all about. Amen. In 2 Peter chapter 3, we read about what Peter calls the day of the Lord. And he tells us about how this earth and the current heaven are going to be destroyed someday. And there were people in that time that were basically saying, well, he said he was going to come back and he hadn't done it, so it's not going to happen. Peter says, don't ignore this fact. And he goes on in verse 9 and says, the Lord is not slow or slack to do what he has promised, as some people think. But rather, he is patient for your sake. 
He doesn't want to destroy anyone, but wants all people to have the opportunity to turn to Him and change the way they think and act. Church, He's waiting for a reason. I imagine that every time that God starts to pull the trigger and say, you know what, go get them, bring them home. He probably stops himself and says, wait a minute. You know, Andrea is that close to coming to know me. She's that close to giving her life to me. Let's give her some more time. Let's be patient. That's why we have the present. We have it because God is patient. His love is patient. We should be thankful that we still have the present. And we should make the most out of it. The best analogy that I could think of was when companies coming over to your house. Now, guys, some of you may not get this, but just picture your wife in this story. When you know company is coming over and they're going to be there at a certain time, most of us are scrambling around the house and, and we're, we're doing some last-minute dusting and, and wiping down counters and, and organizing the pillows on the couch and running the vacuum cleaner. And every few minutes you look up at the clock and you're like, how much time do I have left? Sometimes you pull that old trick of, hey, we're out of ice. Can you, can you stop and get some? And then you throw your ice out in the backyard. <laughs> Buy yourself a little more time. Because all you want is just a little bit more time. You know, earlier I made the statement, Lord, come quick. Because I'm excited to see Jesus. I'm excited to go to heaven. But that statement should be, Lord, come quick, but give me just a little bit more time. Just give me a little bit more time. Let me reach just a few more. Church, I want to ask you to stand. and I want everyone to just take a minute and just close your eyes. Today, the most important reason we could be here is to allow people to come to know Jesus. I don't know everyone in the room and I don't know what your personal situation is. But I'd be wrong if I didn't give you the chance to be a part of the future that I talked about earlier. So if you're one of the people that's in this room and you don't know Jesus, he's not your savior. I got to tell you, your future is very different from the one I described. Not nearly as fun. But today that can change. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. You say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus. I want to meet him today. I want to make him Lord of my life and, and be adopted into that family so that I too 
can go to heaven someday. And I want you to just lift up your hand right where you're at. Just lift it up in the air and hold it up high. Leave it there. I see two hands. How many more? Three. How many more? I won't wait long, but just one more moment. If that's you, just lift your hand up in the air. Thank you. I see that. You put your hands down and I'm going to ask our deacons and their wives if you would come to the front of the room as well as our prayer team. Today is an exciting day because I saw at least five hands that were raised that said, you know what, I want to know Jesus. I want to be a part of that future. Those of you who raised your hands, I want to let you know that it's so simple. You don't need anyone to pray for you, honestly. All you need to do is say, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and, and, and become Lord of my life. And then you just change the way you live, which is the hard part, but... There's something special about professing that faith in front of others. So I'm going to ask you to do something that you may think is hard. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to come. And I'm going to ask you to find someone and and to pray with them and to tell them, I want to give my life to Jesus. And, And they're going to lead you in that prayer that I just talked about. I want to tell you that this is not the hard part. Because everyone in this room who's a Christian has already done this. And we don't look down on anyone for doing it. We celebrate it. The Bible says that the angels in heaven celebrate every time somebody comes to know the Lord. A party goes on in your honor. But there will be a hard part in us when you walk out that door at the end of the service. When you go back and you see your friends and you see your family. And they're being a bad influence. That's when you have to lean on your Christian friends and you have to lean on your on the Lord and on the Word. But I want to invite those of you who raised your hands. And if you didn't, but you know you should have and you just want to be part of that family. You want that party to be thrown in your honor. I want to invite you to come right now. There's people waiting to pray with you. Don't be ashamed. Once the first person moves, everybody else will start moving. Let's give them a hand.